Justin. Yes, sir. I think we're going to talk punk today. Is the topic of the week. He is. He has dominated the news cycle. So yeah, probably appropriate. Omnipresent-ish. Yes. He can do that. He can do that. He he's one of those rare beings that cannot want people to pay attention, and the more ornery he gets about it, the more attention he gets, which makes me think maybe he likes the attention. He likes the attention. You probably I, you might be onto something there. Agreed. WWE has been cruising along at a pretty good pace right now. I'm just kind of waiting on the pay per view. I like the storylines. Uh, it doesn't feel like I have to talk about it all the time or worry about it all the time because it's in cruise control. I, I think it's running well, and they've got you know they're advancing plot lines. I got to watch a whole Shinsuke Nakamura Walter match without it seeing anybody get kicked in the junk. You know, <laughs> we've we've got everything makes sense and moves something forward. There's not wait as many wasted you know segments. So yeah. Less to talk about in a good way. Quickly, before we get into Punk on the other side, was that Sarah Logan as the middle person in the in the stuff with Viking Raider Experience new Viking Raider Experience War Machine? It, it looked like her, right? I think it could have been. I didn't think about it until now, but you're right. Yeah, I, I just it, the hair reminded me of at one time she had a pseudo dread thing going, so I was wondering if that was her, you know. But anyway, let, we're going to talk about Punk and Match of the Week, which I think was also an AEW thing, and really segment of the week was included to me in that Match of the Week thing, and then we'll also get into Omega coming back on the other side. Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast here at Go Home Heat. Our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live-action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peeking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, Go Home Heat. Yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of one Phil Brooks coming back to, or you could call him Chuck Mosley, or you could call him CM Punk. You've heard the Chuck, Chuck Mosley story? No. Chuck Mosley was the original singer for Faith No More. Oh! And he was so into it that his friends in school would call him Chuck Mosley. And so it was rumored that that was where CM came from and not Chick Magnet or... Chicago Maid. Yeah, that kind of thing. And then I heard him say that was where it came from. But then, again, I think he's contradicted that before. Like the origin of the DDT. Yes. Yes. Somebody slipped. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, he changed what it meant whenever he felt like it and, and said, you know, I just, it's, I, I don't think there was ever originally a meaning to it. It just sounded cool. And then. Well, it sounds like TNT. Yeah. Yeah, it's smooth. Actually, online the other day, Somebody asked what the greatest finisher was of all time, and I said the DDT, and I expi- my, my explanation was simple. It's like every finish that ever came along out, out of nowhere starts with the DDT. Mm-hmm. That's the genesis of it to me. You know, the, 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 He could beat a guy up to the point where he did that to him and he made a big deal out of it, or he could be getting beat up and do it, and he never had to gain weight and be strong to do it. And to me, that's what a great finisher is because – 
you need to be able to do it late into your career, which eliminates a lot of the power bombs and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Choke slam. Yeah, right, right. But anyway, let's get back to the to the punk himself. One year anniversary, it sent the wrestling world when he came back into a feeding frenzy of anything punk said did. You had this universal love affair with him, and Punk would come out and announce how much he loved us and missed us after not seeming to care at all about us for seven years. <laughs> but I do think it was genuine in the you you he was asked to do something constantly he didn't want to do. And so when he comes back, he's open to the affection he gets. Uh-huh. And, and I thought that was genuine from him, but it isn't great television when he is happy. No, no, no. He's much better when he's pissed. Yeah, I, I, I agreed with MJF when MJF called him PG Punk. Mm-hmm. I, I liked the program. I thought it went well. I started to learn new tricks in Punk's... He's always been famous for his mic work, but a lot of that, too, can be famous... Not just with pipe bombs, but also with the back and forth yeah. that he would get with people. And, I, and I, during the MJF series, I started to learn little tricks. And we'll get into some of those later um, when we get to something else. But he utilized those tricks with Kingston as well. And then when MJF pointed out, you know, there's a certain amount of, there's a certain amount of hypocrisy with... Punk coming back and being like he was, considering who he was prior. Mm-hmm. And regardless of whether or not it felt genuine, I understood where MJF was coming from. And then when he goes into the pro, when Punk goes into the program with Kingston, it really gets ratcheted up. Yeah. As Kingston says, you know, as a locker leader, in some ways, and Kingston didn't say it like this because he was trying to come off as tough, but it felt like he was saying, you know, as a locker room leader when you were in ROH, you were a bully. You know, you told me I was fat. You told me, you know, I was lazy. You told me, all, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And then we, we've always heard the rumors. Punk doesn't play well with others. And he has his hand full of guys that he really likes. And then he gets yeah. he gets to WWE. And, he you know, Kofi's on his bus. And not all the other people were as fond of him as, as he, you know. Anyway, so we get this. Punk come back here, and he comes back, and it is amazing, right? He comes back, he he has, I won't say it was amazing. What did you think about his in-ring work prior to what happens this week? Ooh, I, mm, Mills Road. Right, right. I felt like, and maybe it's just me, but Punk was wrestling pretty uh, extended matches, you know, long, and it looked like he'd get blown up kind of early, which was odd to me because he's always been able to go, and physically he looks great. Yeah. So it was odd to me that it always looked like he was huffing and puffing pretty early on in his matches because I've never seen that from him before. No, no, that's different. Right. And But then again, you know, they talk about it with, like, others, like with football or basketball. You know, there's a difference between being in shape and being in game shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, I thought his mic work was great coming in. I thought the hype for every match he had was great. I just I don't know the the matches themselves measured up. 
right? Yeah. And then we get this program as he becomes your world champ. The Hangman program was interesting. There was moments where Hangman really laid into him as almost a representative of the locker room, and you had Moxley kind of say the same things. And you have this thing that it looks like is going on backstage, and it could be a work. We know that guys like Meltzer are on the payroll. Yeah. But you have this thing where it feels like the guys who have been there looking around and going, man, Punk, Brian Danielson, Cage, uh, who all? There's so many. Cesaro. Cesaro's recent, but... Those guys seem to be coming in and getting paid more than we getting paid, and we were the ones who laid the foundation. Yeah. Now, to be fair to Tony, those you know, you sign a contract with me. We're trying to get this thing off the ground. These are five year deals or four year deals, whatever. I don't really have to renegotiate with you until your contract's up. And it makes sense for me to give you even if I have to give you more money later. It makes sense for me to either force you to extend your contract or wait and pay you more later. Because my, my contracts are not only with the one wrestler I'm dealing with. I have to think about the rest of the locker room. If I renegotiate with one, i got to renegotiate with all. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have the MJF thing where he walks off and leaves. And I, I find all of it very fascinating. And then you had the moment backstage at one of these media scrums where they're interviewing Punk and they bring some of this stuff up to him. And if, I watched, I rewatched the interview today, but he basically said, if somebody's complaining, they're nobody. In other words, the only people that got heat with me aren't important. <laughs> and that was interesting to me, right? And so then we get this program, and now we have... Punk march out to the ring. He's he's got his belt. You know, there's an interim champ. He's going to have to face Mox. They were nose to nose last week, and he really lays into to Mox. And I was wondering, <laughs> did you wonder if Paul Levesque wrote this promo? It, it man, it was it was up there, buddy. I no, that sounded straight CM Punk like there. Like I'm gonna find, I'm gonna find the things I can, you know point out that are the most you know, I'm going to make it hurt make it hurt bad Well tell me this I mean he put over Kofi Kingston Yep He put over two Eddies Eddie Guerrero, go ahead Second best Kingston, third best Eddie Uh, You know what they were rumoring that the Eddie was, the other Eddie besides Guerrero I thought it was Eddie Edwards because he was ROH with him But Umaga's real name is Ed is Edward. Man, that's cold blooded if you said Umaga. Here's the other thing. Yeah, Edward is his, is his real name. So there were people wondering if that wasn't the Eddie he was talking about because he had a little thing with Umaga back in the day. Yeah. And um, then he he put over the shield other than Mox when he does the he's the third best guy line. That was a good line. That was a great line. And then he kind of linked it to the Blackpool Combat Club, too, because saying you're the third best wrestler out of Claudio and Brian. I'm surprised he didn't say fourth. Well, Yuta. Yeah. Which I, I'm not saying any of that's true. I'm saying I'm surprised. But, but the, line, the line was there. Correct. And it matched up with a line that had happened before where 
Punk was looking the shield in the ring and, and WWE, in a WWE ring in the face, and he says, I'm here to prove my worth against, you know, the best of you. And the back then Dean Ambrose says, you know, I want Pete, you know, something to the effect of let's do this right now. And he says, look, man, I wasn't talking to you. Yeah, dude. I beat, I beaten you a bunch of times. I was talking to one of them too. And I thought that, you know, punk has a memory. He, he probably knows that people had brought that up, you know? And so he went on ahead and went into that. Then Moxley's music hits and Punk did Snow Angels in the ring. And I got, to me, that screamed of, if you're really mad at me, why is it taking you so long to get here? I agree with that one. You're the tough guy, right? You're the I tough think, guy. That's, call, that's, calling the, that's calling the game out a little bit in wrestling. That's like saying, you know, that's calling, you know, that's showing the behind the scenes. It is a fourth wall thing. Uh, was it fourth wall, third wall? It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it is that type of thing. And then when Mox gets there and Mox tries to go into his promo, this is what I was alluding to earlier, the tricks. Punk interrupts him multiple times. Here's the thing. In wrestling promos, when it's person to person, I speak. I put my mic down a little bit. You speak. You pull your mic on. Punk in every one of these rivalries will interrupt guys while they're talking, and oh, yeah. it, and it's it's smooth, right? Because he wants to win the battle of the words, and he didn't do that with MJF, and so and so he kind of leaned into that towards the end of some of those with MJF. And then he started to do it here with Mox, and it threw Mox off a little bit because you you're in a rhythm. You do you do a certain routine every week. It works. I thought Mox handled himself okay. Um, I'm excited to see them go. Of course, the fisticuff stuff at the end is just... It's hard to make fake punches look tough. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I, I, I Honestly, that segment... Did you notice the guy with white hair, shoulder length in the ring? Yes. Okay. They come running out there, and I'm wondering, who's the legend that is in the security team right here? Because he looked old from the backside, right? Turns his head, and it's this kid. And I'm like, holy cow, why has he got gray, uh, you know, uh, white blonde hair? What is going on? And so I became fascinated with that guy, and I kind of missed all the other mess where they were throwing the... <laughs> yeah. God fascinated you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> Go ahead. Mystery man. Right. Now, what about the hangman thing where he called for hang and hangman didn't come out because he didn't know he was about to get called out? Well, hangman wasn't even there. Yeah. That's the that's the issue. And now there's where we really get the back behind the scenes stuff where Meltzer reports supposedly that wasn't part of the plan. That that's the kind of thing that would irritate a locker room. That's the kind of thing that would really irritate Hangman. Because I'm not there. And I hate, by the way, I hate that. When people call somebody out that's not there, it drives uh, It's silly, right? And the, and the word was, I don't know, Punk was calling that a verbal receipt for something. I don't even remember what they said it was that Hangman did to him. But my thing was, what Hangman did to him 
was face to face. Yeah. That was face to face. You had a mic in your hand. You're the pipe bomb guy. You could yeah. have retorted. Yeah, that seems childish almost on Punk's part. But well, it ain't CM adult. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but here's but the... I, go ahead. What? This is more entertaining stuff than him getting into it with Moxley, him having back... You are listening to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Check out our friends at the GIN Project, the G-I-N-N Project.com. Check out our friends at the Daily Smart, your one-stop shop for all things pro wrestling. And now, back to Go Home Heat. It is entertaining, and it is exactly why he has worked in every company he's ever been in. Because before the ring work had always been so good that you put up with the BS if you were management. Yeah. Right? And and his following would become so strong that you put up with the BS. And here, the cachet was there. The following is so strong. You see, you know, the IWC figuring out ways to make excuses for the behavior. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah. All it is is words. Yeah, dude. You know, it, it's the same kind of crap that people have in their workplaces all the time. It's just people get paid less than AEW guys do. But that was the... and But if you can key into that, people identify with that kind of stuff, and you can write stories off that that people will enjoy watching. That was the thing about Vince McMahon and Stone Cold that you enjoyed, was everybody has a dick boss. Right. They want to get it. And they want to see somebody go out there and flip them the bird and drink beer and storm out of the workplace and tell everybody to kiss off. Well, and to, was- and to your point, same thing with the pipe bomb. Yeah. You know, and even still, it's funny because I've seen this thing and I got to write down these people's names. I saw this thing on Twitter. You know, the guy says, when you're, when you're a teenager, you're punk. When you're an adult, you're Triple H. And you remember that promo, right, where Triple H kind of gives it to him. About how you're not really you're talking about what's the better for everybody. You know, you don't want what's better for everybody. You uh, want what's better for you. If you get to be, the, you know, and that so does everybody else here, punk. You know, and I'm a kid. I I was there doing that long before you were doing that. Right, I've been burying people for years, brother. Yeah. That, the, my sledgehammer is a shovel. Shovel, baby. <laughs> right. So my point is, and it's funny because Roman. They, they pulled a Roman interview out from uh, a couple of years ago where he was talking about who he could work with. And he mentioned his cousin, The Rock. And then he also said, or oh, because Punk wasn't signed yet. And he said, or, you know, if people wanted it, there, there would be business to be had with Punk. And he goes, he made my job very hard for me five to eight years ago. Very hard. And he said... I don't like him. I can understand that. I don't know many people that do, but there's business to be had there. And isn't that punk in a nutshell? It is. It is. And I can see where Roman would be coming from because you know punk 
in the ring, he talked smack to Moxley. In the ring, he talked smack to Seth. But the one out of those three he had the least respect for was the non-wrestler. Correct. The hand-picked Hogan. It let him know that. Yes. Yes. And here's the tricky thing about Punk now. Punk's on steroids now because he's the apple of Tony Khan's eye. Whenever they're in scrums together, Tony, is, he looks at that guy like, like you're supposed to look at your wife yes. daily. <laughs> we, all, we all strive. We all strive to look at our significant other the way Tony Khan looks at CM Punk. Yes, yes. And and so that galvanizes punk because nobody can stop me now. Nobody can control me. Nobody's even trying. And it works in multiple settings because the FTRs and guys like that love him. Because mm-hmm. FTR ain't that different. You know, they were out of a couple of programs. You know, they thought they were going to get to wrestle the Bucks. It did, you know, when they gave the titles to somebody else, they went straight online, complained about it. Yeah. And they, you know, hey, it goes back to Hart. Bret Hart didn't have no problem complaining to the press. No, and 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 that was, and that's the thing. Don't don't we we act like this is new sometimes, but it ain't. These guys, there's always been people that were willing to go into business for themselves a little bit and say, look, if I'm not going to get it from you, I'll go, I'll go try to get force you into it yeah and the only people that can go into the business and the only people who can go into business for themselves are stars that's it because if you ain't a star you can't get away with it no if you're well in that in triple h knows that too back in the day when we had the uh the curtain call yeah don wasn't gonna get in trouble for it Mm -mm. who's gonna all, all the crap for that. It was Triple H. Quite literally crap because Triple H wound up having to wrestle the Godwins in yeah. pig slot matches. Yes. That was the revenge. And mm-hmm. and Hunter, to his credit, and now that, dude, this is that is the literal seed of Hunter becoming the guy who gets to run the company. Uh-huh. Is he says, look, they're gone. Sean's champ. Vince says, you're going to take this. And Hunter replies, okay, but when it's over, it's over. I'll take it. I'll, I'll roll around and shit for months. Mm-hmm. But when this program is over, we're done talking about the curtain call. Yeah. Because I can leave. You know what I mean? And Hunter knows. And, and Vince knows. You know, his two best – he didn't have to take that. His two best friends just left. And they were yeah. running WCW. He could have easily showed up down there with a denim jacket. H had showed up on WCW television as the newest member of the NWO. Right. That been right with with the uh, chip on his shoulder of being terrorizing there, and then having to walk around acting like he did early on. The aristocrat. Correct. The yeah yes, H- having to act like that. You know he would have he dude. Hunter could have killed that role. He would have killed that role. But that there is something, you know, they talk about butterfly effects. There's one that you, you'll never know. 
mm-hmm. and I've never thought about about it before whether or not if he would have left what could have happened in all of that. But let's get back to this because I'm I want to say I'm really excited about a match I wasn't excited about. Gotten me it's gotten me into it. I'm a little tripped out they're planning on doing it next week. Do they really have it? That's not going to end with a clean finish. Right. Rematch, you think it all in? Yeah, yeah. Double count out, double disqualification, some nonsense. The JAS rushes the ring, something happens. If you were to fantasy book Wednesday night, what happens? I don't know. I I don't know if I take, I guess you got to take, put the belt back on Punk, but I don't, I don't know. Okay, if I'm fantasy booking, which means I get to do whatever I want, because I think Punk goes over in this whole thing. I wouldn't, I I wouldn't do it. I think, I think wrestling's better when Mox is champ. I think Mox literally is the heart and soul of of AEW, yeah. like he said. I'm curious as to what Seth Rollins thought when Punk said, I'm the dollars and cents. Remember what happened when Seth talked about his wallet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Punk's, Punk's untouchable, though. <laughs> he is. He is, and I feel like people are going to get mad at us over, over, over this pod, but... I think it. I think it's legitimate to say. Judging for saying, I'm recognizing he has that that carte blanche right now that he can he can say crap that other people can't say, and people are going to back his play for it. Right. I think it's legitimate to say I wouldn't want to work with him. I don't think. I don't think a lot of what he's doing is fair. Damn, it's good television. Yeah. Well, and think about it. What he's doing is he's big timing people. He's uh, he's using the fact that he's a bigger star to get privileges and get over on people, especially in promos where he gets to uh, make them look silly and make them look bad with his promo work, and they don't get to do anything back hardly. Hey, who was that guy he used to talk about that did that kind of stuff? Who was that guy? I can't picture him because you can't see him sometimes because he's invisible. <laughs> John. It's the first best John he's ever been in the yeah. ring with. Yes. <laughs> Yankees, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I want to say that if I was to fantasy book it, Hangman would come out and he would cost Punk the match. And I wouldn't stop. I wouldn't go straight into Hangman versus Punk. I would I would have a triple threat at all out. I, yeah. I I would have and I, I would because I can't remember the last time we had a great championship triple threat. Uh huh. And I would and I think that they would do it. I think it would be good for Punk because he could get into things with guys and step out and kind of lay there yeah. for a sec, get his get his win back, go back in. I think it'd be good for Mox. Uh, he would probably bleed some buckets. Yes. I, and I think P- Paige would carry the match physically. Yeah. And I think that would they could really give us one of those, hey, this is this is top five AEW matches of all time, that kind of thing. Now, going into top five, the top matches, the match of the week for me was Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson versus... Daniel Garcia. Daniel Garcia. I loved this segment. I thought it was the segment of the week in wrestling. I thought, okay, you, when you, tell me if you if you think this. When Garcia chokes him out, puts him to sleep, 
Cool choke. Loved it. Yeah, there was also you could lean into they should have never even let the match continue. So in some ways, you could say Garcia won. Yeah. The, the you know Jericho complained about the count taking too long. To me, they should have took more time, a yeah. little bit more time in there. But I like the way that first segment finishes. I like the way the next two finish. I love Garcia being beaten and having already admitted to us that his wrestling hero was Brian Danielson. Him, mm-hmm. him to be willing to shake the hand, and then I want him out of the Jericho Appreciation Society anyway. Yeah, he doesn't fit. So when Jericho comes running down, and this turns into if we get a one-off, maybe at the pay-per-view where Garcia beats Jericho for his freedom. Yeah. I could see Garcia on his own. I would love to see Garcia in the so here's the thing about the Blackpool Combat Club, is I don't see any reason why they can't wrestle each other. No, and it suits their whole temperament to do so. Right. So if you put him in there with them, the Cesaro, Danielson, Yuta, Mox, Garcia, we're just the best wrestlers here. Uh-huh. It fits. And they can still wrestle for titles and all that. And you can have two, like a tag team out of that. You can have, you know, two single star. You know, you can do when you got that players like that. You can do a lot with it. Yeah, yeah. You could have Garcia beat Yuta for that pure wrestling title, and then turn right around and have the respect factor make them tag team champs. Yes. You know, and there's no reason why you can't. I, 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 I'm with you on that. Now. One other important thing was Kenny Omega, formerly the greatest wrestler in the world, um, by, by a lot of people's opinions. Twinkle Toes by Jim Cornette's opinion. Either, either or there. Um, comes back. I, I felt like two things about the injury things. One, it always worries me when a guy's wearing a harness when he comes back from injury. It worried me that Punk, although he hopped on his leg and said he was fine, he had a pretty significant limp. Yes. And so that that worried me a little bit, but hey, he must be cleared. So I, I'm wondering how much of Kenny's is bullshit at this point. I'm almost hopeful that he is like several of those botches in that match where he kind of, you know, it looked like oh the ring rust. I think he's playing it up. I'm almost thinking he's going to take that shirt off and he's going to be ripped. Like, he's going to be in the best shape of his life or something like that. Like, and he's working the beginning when he comes back. You know, he's they're trying to tell a story through this whole tournament. Of the first match, he was kind of, he was still getting his his win back. He, he messed up the, uh, the, uh, uh, you can't escape. You know, he. Right, right, right. He. Through, he overcomes. The, yeah, ring, the, the ring rust factors. Also, did you? Th- it, first of all, I love Andrade. I love Roosh. I love Dragon Lee. I found I found the match to be good. I found it odd that they that they roughed up Dragon Lee, and I did find it interesting that Omega looked to care. Yes, I mean that's what I'm talking about. Is this is a whole? He's they're turning. Omega's gonna be a babyface. 
So, I think this whole tournament is going to be turning Kenny back. Pretty much. Is this tournament... So, my question, I guess, is, is the tournament going to turn the Bucks, Omega, and then face for the time when they get in there with the, yes. und- the undisputed, right? Uh-huh. And then if they're also faced, that allows for Hangman to come back into the fold. Yes. And that gives you two pretty predominant face-ish uh, factions in the Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite going with the Undisputed, and then you have whoever winds up with rushing them. Um, can, I, can I fantasy book how we end the Hangman Page Dark Order thing? How you know, do we do them? How? I say when they lose their match in the triples thing against, I guess, probably the Elite. I don't know. I haven't looked at the brackets. But when they lose their match, the, uh, the Dark Order turns on him. And uh, Negative One comes running out like he's going to stop it. And instead he does the Triple H, like, thumbs down. Oh. And, and they just annihilate. That dastardly child. Yes. Have the first faction leader that is entirely a kid. <laughs> and have everybody play it. Like, he's, like, the most psycho, like, intimidating yeah, yeah, he rule. He rules the sandbox with the iron fist. Yes, dude. <laughs> and have the Dark Order be bad guys again, because there's the Dark Order, and they should be bad guys. You know how I'm not going to fantasy book it? How? With Colt Cabana, because I'm pretty sure he's not allowed to do anything anymore. There's a guy named Punk <laughs> running around. <laughs> Poor Colt. Colt. That, seriously, they're acting like that's a piece of all of this, right? That that is. That, that, that since Colt just kind of disappears all of a sudden that it was Punk's fault. And there's no oh. way that's true. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we can end it on that, huh? Yeah, on Colt's. Happy Colt. retirement, Colt Cabana. Bye, Colt. <laughs> You're going to have to call up Freddie Prince Jr. and get in on the Good job, dude. Okay, I know. I, there quickly. I know that Freddie Prince Jr. has issues with um with Hunter. Like I've heard enough of him t- talking about his experiences with Hunter Hearst Helmsley that I know he's got heat with him. Like I don't know that Hunter knows he's got heat with Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> I I was kind of hoping they'd bring Freddie back because I thought Freddie did a good job created. I think, I think he was held back by a lot of Vince's bullshit. Well, Freddie thinks he was held back by Triple H. No, God, <laughs> nobody back, Freddie. But That's so, what Vince telling you. So Freddie, Freddie came out a couple of weeks ago and said he still plans to do his wrestling company, but he was going to build it around Karrion Cross. And, you know, of course, Hunter stole him out from under him. Yeah, because he should have just waited till Freddie got this off the ground at some point. Yeah, totally. That's all business. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Triple H wanted to let Karrion Cross go in the first place, like he wanted him to put him in a gimp mask, <laughs> and have him lose Jeff Hardy 
in this first match out there. Yeah, the reason I say that about Prince is there's been like three or four different times where he's mentioned that he had this planned and Hunter <laughs> stepped on it. Yeah, well, one of them I think was the Jeff Hardy thing. I can't recall the other ones, but basically, from from what I remember, and if I'm if I'm misremembering, I apologize. But basically, Hunter thought we can't bet on Jeff because of his demons. So. Putting a belt on him and things like that might be a bad call. Wow. <laughs> Boy, Triple H, what an idiot. He was wrong on that one. Well, and two, I, I don't know that you could think about this in that context, but after I watched the DX documentary and you realize, and also I heard Nash talking the other day about how, you know, the guy just doesn't have vices. He said, in, in, in this line of work, it's weird to be around a guy that doesn't That is weird. do things like that. And then you realize, like, they're talking to Billy Gunn, and I didn't realize Billy had had issues, too, with, with oh. substance abuse. And, yes. and Billy's talking about his issues with substance abuse, and Pac's talking about his issues, and Road Dogg's talking about his issues, and Road Dogg's talking about how after a year of sobriety, Hunter put his butt on the line multiple times and finally Vince gave in and let him come back. And Hunter said, look, I've been in this long enough, I know. Because he went through it with Sean. Oh, that's what I was about to say, man. Sean Michaels is his best friend. Right. And they didn't talk for years. And and the same thing happened. He said, said, Pac and I would go for a long time without uh, six. I think he called him six. Uh, would go a long time without speaking, and then you know they cut to X Pac, and he's like, "Yeah, I freaking tried to kill myself by hanging myself, and was in a coma in Mexico for three mm-hmm. years or something." And Kevin Nash winds up flying down there and bringing him back to the states and getting him in a rehab facility. But Hunter winds up saying, "Hey, I can't do anything for you until you decide you want to do something for yourself." That's true. And and he could look at a, at Jeff or anybody and, and say, you know, the, and, until that guy's publicly admitting he's got an issue, he don't know he's got an issue. Yeah. You know, and, and he knew that. Playing bar shows on the weekends and do I mean, he's smart enough. If you look at certain behaviors, that dude's gonna fall at some point, and you know it. And right. Well, that's the whole you can't stand in the, you know, you can't stand in the kitchen and not call yourself a cook type thing. Yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. needs to get that thing going. <laughs> yeah. Down for a third promotion. <laughs> I'm down. Well, my the curiosity for that thing and why I want to see it actually happen is that t- to me, he says I want to get them in the screen screen actors guild. I agree with that. And if I can get him on TV, dude, if nothing else happens, if he starts a company and it fails, but what it does is gets everybody in the Screen Actors Guild that's on TNT and USA and Fox, he accomplished everything. Right. right? Yes. That would be like the NIL deals in college. Football. Yeah. It's gonna that would change the game in a way we wouldn't be able to predict. No. No, well, you for one thing, you'd have healthy wrestlers. Yeah, that's crazy talk, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. 
Thank you for listening. Check out our friends at The Daily Smart. Check out our friends at The Game Project, the G-I-N-N-Project.com. And Justin. No hole. Awesome.